Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like driving a rocket car into the sun. The most exciting and dangerous thing you will do today. Today on the show, we are talking about ego defense and humor development. One of the uh, This is something I've been thinking about for a little while, is the connection point between human ego, the defensive tertiary function, uh, the defense reaction that the tertiary function in Myers-Briggs has, or you as a person has, the way that you defend yourself in an argument or in any kind of uh, high-pressure situation, and how that relates to ego development, how that relates to your humor development, because often humor is used as some sort of defense mechanism. So if we can identify that humor is connected to the ego, we can learn how the target of our humor, first of all, and then we can learn how to develop that humor in a way that's going to be this balance between yourself, making fun of yourself and making fun of other people in a way that's like healthy and not like tearing people down and ruining lives and, you know, not, not, not being fun. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to break that down today on dopamine. Let's hit the button and do the thing. Let's go. Drums, yeah feel those vibes it's nicer outside which is great. I'm so excited. Finally not dealing with the cold anymore. It's flipping wonderful. I'm so excited. It's uh, Spring is great. I love the spring and the fall. I feel like those temperatures fit my vibe so much better than too much heat or too much cold. Um, I mean, it's a general human vibe. I think we all appreciate it. <laughs> but for me... Uh, I like this. Today is a bit gloomy and it's a bit cold, but it's like, it's chill. It's not too cold. It's nice enough to have the windows open. You can still hear the birds chirping and buzzing and having a good time. Looking for mates, having bird sexy time, you know, doing what they got to do. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a joyous occasion for everybody. Everybody's doing their thing. I've always wondered like what the human situation would be like if, we had like a specific mating season, meaning if there were like two months of the year when humans just get activated as opposed to all year round, like how would that affect infrastructure and dating and oh man, that would be really fascinating to like, <laughs> it's a fascinating thought experiment in a way. Um, not something we're going into in this episode, but it's something I've been that I think about sometimes. Um, <laughs> so Today on the show, I wanted to talk about ego and humor. And humor is something that, like, you know, I start this show with a joke pretty much every episode. And humor has been something that has been prevalent throughout my entire life. It's been a, um, a bit of a personal defense mechanism. And I think if you trace humor in anyone uh, to, you know, the, the origins of their life, you can kind of find out how they've developed their sense of humor, why they've developed their sense of humor, and think about the content of their humor 
and basically why it exists. And, you know, there have been a lot of studies saying that humor is tied to the ego, that it's a defense mechanism often. And um, that being tied to the ego is just mean that it's protecting, you know, our own thought process. Maybe it's protecting us from new ideas or protecting us from being um, succumbed to ideas that we don't want to be involved in, that we don't think resonate with us as a person. And one of the best ways that I can exemplify that is through talking about Myers-Briggs. So this is going to be a little bit of a Myers-Briggs filled conversation, but uh, I'll do my best to sort of bring you along. So uh, there are essentially theories that the tertiary function in Myers-Briggs, like that third function in your cognitive stack. So if you're an ENTP, that's going to be extroverted feeling, for example. Um, you know, that, that tertiary feeling, that tertiary uh, function, rather, is typically responsible for ego defensiveness. That's something that's kind of commonly observed, is that defensive behavior lives in the same place as you know, where the fragility in your own ego exists. So typically when you're responding in any kind of defensive way, that's going to be a bit of a giveaway on how you can type someone. If you're trying to figure out someone's type, sometimes you can listen to the way that they become defensive. You know, some people shut down like me. I shut down if I, because my defensiveness is introverted sensing, which means I go into a place of personal security, which often means that I will get quiet and sort of shrink a little bit, essentially. Um, and, you know, my ego, my ego goes into a defensive state. So I'm more of a natural defender in that way. I will not get defensive or I can get defensive, but it'll mostly be uh, a silent defense because I just want to hide, <laughs> you know? So as me as an INTP, that's basically how that comes up for me. It'll be the same for INFPs as well. And that tertiary function being responsible for that ego defensiveness also makes me think about where humor comes from. You know, if ego and humor are kind of closely tied together, then it makes me think that that tertiary sort of ego function is also the place where humor comes from. And I've observed this in other people, and I find this to be true, at least in my observations so far. Um, I haven't done any kind of official study, but I know that in Myers-Briggs circles, they, there are a lot of people who say that humor is also tied to the tertiary function. And if humor and ego defensiveness are tied to the tertiary function, then, then that makes a better case for humor being tied to ego as well. So humor being tied to ego and defensiveness means that it's all kind of coming from the same place, that we're defending ourselves and you typically using humor as a way to defend ourselves from maybe our own version of cognitive dissonance or something like that. Right? Like, so for an ENFP who leads with extroverted intuition, who is typically more playful and uh, wanting to be out in the world, just, you know, feeling optimistic and, and feeling good vibes, uh, their tertiary function is extroverted thinking, which is typically cold imperial logic. And, so, for instance, Molly can get really, when she gets defensive, she can get loud and sharp. And that definitely puts me in a defensive space. And to the point where I've had to use my introverted thinking to tell her, like, hey, I don't appreciate 
the way that that comes out to me. Like, I don't, I don't like that, you know, and uh, it's helped, you know, cause she doesn't get that way towards me. And I think that's important. It's important for a relationship to identify that within yourself or within your partner to see how and when that happens, because then you can know what it is and how to address it. Right. So in that instance, again, she was being kind of sharp and it helps to um, just tell her like, Hey, you're being sharp, at least in my perception. And I would appreciate if you could check it, you know, and um, because usually the instance is not, not towards me. Right. It's like some other frustrations in life. And, and, you know, if that frustration is coming towards me, then how am I going to listen to you or be there for you or help you if you're going to be sharp? Right. And I think any one in a relationship can identify with a version of that. Right. So for me being defensive, if, and being kind of a hold up is that she can identify that when I'm being too quiet, she needs to say, Hey, if you're feeling something, you need to tell me, you know, I, I can't do anything if I don't know what's going on. Right. And that's something I've had issues with in my past is dealing with and reconciling and understanding that I do that. Uh, really Myers-Briggs has helped me understand that a little bit better, but, um, you know, for the most part, uh, being able to identify that has helped me to realize when I do it for myself. Cause I think most, for the most part, we don't know, like we don't understand the nuanced differences of how we react to things in relation to other people. We think sometimes we just think it's, it's loud or quiet or that somebody might get defensive in a way that's like, um, you know, maybe they're going to be cold and factual in a more quiet but really sword cutting kind of way versus someone that's going to be loud and crying and really upset versus someone who is going to be maybe a little bit more um, feeling confused and hurt in an internal way, right? There are just varieties of that that I don't think the average person thinks about and considers. And I think Myers-Briggs is really great at identifying that. So what you can do in that practical sense is if you know your personality type to look at what your tertiary function is and identify the ways in which you can become defensive. And I I think that's important for relationships. It's important for how you respond to when you're feeling hurt, because it's another way to know and, and get a bit of feedback as to what's going on with you. I think for you know, again, for like an INTP or an ISTP, for example, people that, um, or rather an INFP and INTP, people that are not typically, or let's say an INTP specifically, an INTP is not typically outwardly emotional, but you can also identify in yourself that if you feel like you're getting into a defensive stance, if you want to stay inside more, if you want to avoid people or situations, you want to avoid feedback, you want to protect yourself with, um, with safety, with a sense of safety, uh, or sometimes repetition and, uh, like too stiff of a routine, then those could be indications that there's something emotional going on for you. And because you don't naturally identify that understanding that getting into that defensive state typically means that there's something that needs to be addressed. And that can be a really powerful tool for an INTP to at least personally, uh, realize, right? And, you know, that can happen to uh, like an ISTP, their tertiary function is extra, is introverted intuition, 
which could mean that they are getting into a place where they are imagining all of these long distance scenarios happening that they don't have control over or this, um, this idealism in a negative way. What I mean by that is, um, you know, they can imagine the, like the future being bleak in a way that is, um, very assumptive and, you know, they kind of get lost in a daydream, you know, they're very distant from reality in a way that's not typical of that type. Right. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, and I encourage you to look up your personality type because I'm not going to go through all 16 types, but, um, though there are pairs that will help identify that really, it's just about identifying, you know, your ego defensiveness and how that can affect you. And then sometimes identifying a way that humor can have that same effect as well. And, uh, we'll take a break and then we'll talk a little bit about the humor side of things a little bit more. I'm Mo Rocca, and I'm excited to announce season four of my podcast, Mobituaries. I've got a whole new bunch of stories to share with you about the most fascinating people and things who are no longer with us. From famous figures who died on the very same day to the things I wish would die, like buffets, all that and much more. Listen to Mobituaries with Mo Rocca wherever you get your podcasts. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. All right, so let's talk about the humor side of things a little bit. So all of this is like, you know, kind of based on my own personal theory and things that I've experienced things that I've learned fairly loosely. So grain of salt. And if you want to do your own research, I highly recommend you do that. But from what I've personally experienced with ego being tied to defensiveness and uh, humor being also something that fits in the tertiary framework, it's easy to, for me to say that humor tends to be something that comes as a result of ego defensiveness. And therefore the target of someone's humor could also be other people who experience or are using that tertiary function. And what I mean by that is that for me as an introverted thinker, my tertiary function is introverted sensing, meaning I'm typically going to be using my introverted thinking to make fun of concepts or people who use introverted sensing. The same for like an ENTP, they lead with an extroverted intuition mixed with introverted thinking but they're going to be making fun of extroverted feelers or being or making fun of that in themselves, right? And I want you to listen for that in comedians. If you know a little bit of type, um, that could be something for you to look for when you're typing, um, you're, you're trying to understand comedy a little bit. Um, one example of that is like Jerry Seinfeld. I think he's an ISTJ. I've never met him personally, but from what I've seen with like interviews and his demeanor, he comes off very much like an ISTJ. And his humor is typically about identifying 
all of the weird things that people attach themselves to or have personal values around or the decisions that people make based on emotions and feelings and deep-seated personal feelings. So for him, his tertiary function would be introverted feeling. So a lot of his humor is very much like, what's the deal with, you know? Um, so him doing that, which is funny because I would be making fun of his dominant function, but um, essentially he, he, he'll be making fun of introverted feeling and, and the idea that like people just do things because they feel like it's a good idea as opposed to there being any semblance of, of logic or tradition assigned to it, which is his, uh, his, um, main two functions, not necessarily logic, but like proven information is kind of his thing for his secondary function. Um, but using that tertiary function <clears throat> is, um, is something that gets involved in his humor all the time. And I would, I would want you to listen for that. If you know anything about introverted feeling and someone's personal morals and values, like that's where that kind of lives. <clears throat> Another example would be, I think personally that John Mulaney is an ISFJ, but he, his humor has so much detail in it. Details about things from the past and things that he's experienced from the past. So he's an introverted sensor. Both examples are leading with introverted sensing. Um, he is leading with introverted sensing and he's talking about his past all the time. Um, but he's using and making fun of the usage of such intense detail using introverted thinking. So he's making fun of the details of his personal past through introverted thinking. Now, I mean, you could make the argument that it's like introverted thinking, making fun of introverted sensing, but something about the content of his work is always about the past. I feel like introverted thinking would want to make commentary more holistically or asking more questions Whereas uh, John Mulaney is talking about stories about his father all the time, how he was as a kid. Um, he's also he's always making fun of like MTV and stuff from the 90s and stuff that's very specific. And he'll make very specific references to the past. So I find that he's using that introverted thinking as part of his humor or the target of his humor. So I think about that a lot in relation to how people make fun of things, right? So some people, when they're, I think there are two sides to this. I think there's an unhealthy way to use that and make fun of things. And there are healthy ways to make fun of things, right? So like for example, an ESTP or an ENTP, they will be strongly making fun of people who are trying to elicit some sense of harmony amongst each other. Like they're going to be doing everything that they can to sort of poke fun at everyone's cognitive dissonance in social settings as opposed to helping them. They'll just be making fun of it because they're also kind of feeling a little bit imbalanced sometimes about how that comes up within them because it's like very frustrating for our ego to feel like there's a side of us that we can kind of comprehend, but we can't fully use to its capacity. Right? So that's very frustrating. It's like having a it's kind of like making fun of your kids, right? Like you make fun of your kids because you're just like, it's like, ah, you're, just, you're, you're stupid. <laughs> you're little. <laughs> you don't know things. This is frustrating. I wish you knew things so you could take care of yourself. And it's kind of like the parents in your ego doing that to the child version of yourself. Personality hacker tends to reference the tertiary function as like your 10 year old because it has the, the, 
sophistication of a 10-year-old, essentially. And occasionally it has good ideas. But for the most part, because your ego tends to just kind of stay in that space, like you can grow some aspects of your 10-year-old function, but it's never going to have anywhere near the sophistication of your parent functions, of your dominant functions. So what I'm basically saying is that your parent functions are going to be frustrated by your tertiary function never being able to amount to what the dominant function is or seeing the dominant function in somebody else and using it well is, you know, can kind of cause frustration in your own personal ego. And that causes us to make fun of it. You know, for me, that's how I feel like I'm making fun of tradition all the time. There's one thing that I do in particular, like people have these sayings that they just say and they don't understand like where it comes from or like why or even ask questions or think about it. And I just like to play with those settings all the time, those sayings all the time. Maybe I'll say it in a way that's like sarcastic and obviously sarcastic, but they don't understand that it's sarcastic because it's something they're just used to saying all the time. <laughs> um, and um, for instance, I will when when I don't care about something, meaning like somebody will just be like, oh, I hope this doesn't bother you. And, uh, you know, I'll respond with a no, it's cool. Instead of saying no, it's cool. I might say something like a variation of it's no skin off of my back. You know, that saying something to that effect. Um, but I'll change it up. I'll just be like, it's no penguin off of my turnip or I don't know. It's no penguin off of my uh, house. I don't know. I'll say something really stupid like that. Um, it's no beaver off of my dam. <laughs> like, I don't know, just do weird, stupid variations of it because I'm just making fun of the fact that that saying even exists. And, um, most, I'd say most people don't understand or know what that is. And I don't even understand it myself. I don't bother to look it up. I just think it's funny that people say it, you know, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, for instance, when people say, and it's not even like a funny thing really, but when somebody says bless you or when I'm expected to say bless you, because that's just like a weird social norm that we have, um, I, I will say salud instead, which is the Spanish version of saying bless you or gesundheit, because I feel like saying bless you is weird, but uh, I'll still say it, but in a weird way or find ways to make fun of it. Like if somebody says it to me and they'll say like, you know, bless you. And I'll just be like, I am sufficiently blessed. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, there's just a little bit of humor, uh, assigned to it. So I think there's a difference between trying to use humor as a way to shut people down and shut down your own ego versus using humor to lift up the situation. Right. So I could make fun of traditions and try to tear down those traditions, but like that's not really my place and it's not really helpful to anyone because people love their traditions. People love saying these sayings and it's not my job to tear that down because my ego can't really understand it or care for it. It's just not my place, but I can still kind of make fun of it (laughs) in a way that like resonates with what I do or do not care about. Does that make sense? So what I'm essentially trying to say is that, I'm making fun of my ego, but it's playful making fun, right? As opposed to harmful making fun. You know, you can make fun of the details of someone's life, but if you're making fun of personal details, then that's going to hurt someone uh, like emotionally and it's it's inappropriate, right? As and I'm not saying jokes can't be inappropriate because jokes certainly should push boundaries all the time. But I think the depth of which we're capable of diving into our own ego 
can kind of develop the sophistication that we have with our own humor. And I, I mean, I haven't studied comedy enough personally to understand all of the nuances, though I've watched a ton of stand up and I do listen and pay attention to, to, to comedy and how it's developed. But, um, <clears throat> you know, this, this in particular has been something I've been fascinated by lately is this ego connection with humor and defensiveness and ego being tied to the tertiary function. And not necessarily that ego is only living in the tertiary function, but because, you know, our inferior function has the sophistication of a three-year-old child, but it's, you're not going to make fun of a three-year-old as much. You're not going to be like, ah, you're stupid. <laughs> but a 10-year-old, you're like, ah, you're like in the middle of being smart sometimes, but like mostly dumb. And I think, you know, again, we like kind of do that within ourselves that we know that there's aspects of our personality that we're just not good at certain things, but sometimes we're good at it. So, but for the most part to reconcile essentially with the fact that we are not as good at that, that we just have to, we just got to deal with it. And therefore dealing with things sometimes means creating humor around it. So I hope all that made sense. I was listening to some stuff. Um, personality hacker gifted me with their INTX unleashed program, which was, you should go check out at personalityhacker.com. Um, it's, it's, it was, it's been amazing for me to listen to and, uh, learn a lot about my personal growth. And I, I talk about the tertiary function because this is something that I'm personally developing is my own personal tertiary function. Like I was trying to develop that in San Diego, but I ended up kind of ended up going not in the direction that I wanted, wanted it to. And therefore I had to tear down all of this stability that I built up to try to rebuild anew. So right now I'm rebuilding. And in that process, I'm making fun of myself a lot. I'm making fun of all of the the things that I'm trying to do and the frustrations that come with like reestablishing, um, money perspectives and reestablishing, you know, doing chores and, and um, we're reworking our sense of tradition, uh, quite a bit. And, you know, we're having to do a lot of heavy lifting and, and having to do a lot of ego heavy lifting requires some levity. Cause you just, you can't, you can't really necessarily live in the darkness all the time. You're not Batman. You, you know, you just can't, we just can't do that. That, that kind of leads to psychotic breaks. If you're just living in that space all the time, you know, I, I find that life is about balance and, you know, humor creates levity in dark situations. And I think that's what that is. Whereas there's one side of the coin where we can get defensive, we can get angry and emotional, or even get to a dark place where we're hating on ourselves for our inability to, have sophistication within this type of framework or thinking or function uh, that to balance it all out, we have to assign humor to it. And I think the difference again in a healthy expression of humor is the, the default is to want to point that gun, that humorous gun, that the toy gun to someone else and point at them and make fun of everything that they do and who they are. But I think for us to really develop sophistication in our sense of humor is to realize how that is happening within us. Some of the best comedians are telling stories about their life. They're telling stories about things that they've experienced. And even if they are poking fun at other people, they are talking about how that is in relation to their growth and things that they've grown from, things that they've experienced. I find that the best comedians are doing that. So 
you know, I, I kind of want to do something uh, a little bit more sophisticated in the future, uh, sharing like more examples and stuff like that, because I feel like this is a theory that I've been crafting for a little while that I think can kind of tie some things together. But I also need to do research and see if like somebody's already talked about this, <laughs> you know, because they could have, you know, this could be a situation where I'm like feeling like, oh, I'm super smart for figuring it out. But like, you know, maybe it was discovered 200 years ago or something. I have no idea. <laughs> but I think generally um, for you, the person who is maybe not following psychology or Myers-Briggs or anything like that, you know, you can use this as a way to at least study and think about how you become defensive. What is, what is your behavior? Like, how does your behavior change when you become defensive? Make note of it. What do you do? Are you getting louder? Are you getting softer in, in speech? Do you retreat? Do you get emotional? Do you get inwardly emotional? Do you get outwardly emotional, right? Do you feel like you are just trying to demand that other people behave a certain way? Or are you giving them cold logic and telling them that they're the worst, <laughs> you know? Um, or do you get physical? Do you feel like defensively you want to hit someone or punch someone or something like that, right? Um, that, you know, those are things that you can start to listen within yourself and identify and then think about your sense of humor as well. You know, do you have physical humor? Do you have, um, you know, are you making fun of your own personal values and, and other people's personal values? Are you making fun of everyday life? You know, or, or do you like to make fun of details and logic, right? So, you know, identifying that within yourself can kind of give you a place to kind of start from if you're trying to do some, some personal growth. Because again, if you're trying to identify where your humor is and where you're trying to go with it, um, I think one of the big, biggest things that you could do is identify those things and then try to figure out how you can turn that inward. And I don't mean in like a negative, like pointing way, but, but in a, um, in a humorous sort of, uh, I don't know, slightly self-deprecating, <laughs> but still funny kind of way that balances that making fun of other people and making fun of yourself. Cause I don't think you can necessarily or should necessarily, do all of one or the other, but if you can kind of balance between all of it, make fun of yourself and make fun of other people a little bit, but without actually like, you know, crossing the line in any kind of way, that's going to hurt anyone you care about. I think that's going to be, you know, a really good mix to make sure that you're protecting and nurturing your ego as opposed to just deflecting in any kind of way. So I hope all that makes sense. I think, um, I think I got a lot more, a lot more out of that than I thought I would. So that's cool. I'm really excited. <laughs> I feel like this is something I've been thinking about for a while. So, um, so that's pretty much it for right now. If you guys, again, I got a lot of my information about Myers-Briggs from personality hacker. So go check them out. Personalityhacker.com. Um, and then also I have a podcast course out. If you want to go to bit.ly slash C note podcasting, you can check out, I have like the free intro course. And there's also a, um, one of the free videos is how to start your first podcast, um, setting up with anchor, right? A lot of the podcast courses about like answering questions that most people have about starting a podcast and how you can sort of get started on figuring that stuff out. Um, but then there's also access to the level up club, which is my support group for, uh, connecting with me consistently and asking questions and, and, uh, connecting with other people as well about, uh, 
starting podcasts or setting up a studio or doing video work or any of that stuff, right? So it's all it's all pretty important. So go to bit.ly slash cnote podcasting to sign up for that today. Um, that's it. Yeah, I got nothing else I want to promote right now. Um, if you do, if on the Personality Hacker podcast a few episodes ago, I was a guest on that show and I share some of my personal mental health stories and being an INTP. So if you want to go there and check that out, that's a thing as well. So I'm going to wrap this up. I hope you guys take care of each other and yourselves. Live your best life. You are the only person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. So make sure you treat yourself good. You know, do nice things. Buy yourself some flowers. Go take yourself on a date. Even if you're with a partner, say, hey, I want to take myself out. You know, go do your thing. You know, you you deserve it. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I don't really know. Maybe you're a jerk, but, you know, it's fine. <laughs> Treat yourself anyway. All right. That's it. Take care of yourselves and each other, and I'll catch you next time on Dopamine. See ya. Inspired by the life of the savvy and ambitious Colombian businesswoman Griselda Blanco comes a new Netflix original limited series. Griselda tells the story of a devoted mother who, with her lethal blend of charm and relentless savagery, creates one of the most powerful cartels in history. Witness Sofia Vergara's captivating transformation into the godmother of the underworld. Griselda, now streaming only on Netflix. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later.